Well, hello and welcome back to Meraki Unbox. My name is Simon Thompson, host of the show, and we have a very exciting episode for you today. We have brought together three of the all-stars from our Meraki community for a great discussion. I think it's going to be really fun today, uh, talking about the community, talking about what they do, and, uh, and talking about their experiences with Meraki as well. And so before we get into all of that on the show, I just want to remind you, Meraki Unboxed is a podcast. We started this back in June. Uh, we have quite a bunch of really good episodes now, and they've aged well as well. So none of this stuff is particularly time sensitive. I think if you want to learn more about Meraki, I would definitely encourage you to go back and listen to some of those earlier episodes of the podcast. Um, by, by this time, we have uh, content covering pretty much whole portfolio and also talking to some very senior leaders here at the company. And we've got plenty more of that to come. We put these out every couple of weeks. Uh, so we'll be back with some more content. I think this is the last show of 2019. I can't believe I'm saying that already. Uh, but we have plenty lined up already for uh, 2020, the new decade as we go into that. Uh, so can't wait to bring that to you as well. Okay, let's get into the show today. And sitting in the room with me today is Meredith. Hi, Meredith. What do you do? Hi, Simon. Uh, I uh, manage the Meraki community. Um, so I keep an eye on all of the posts, make sure people are getting uh, answers to their questions. That sounds like a lot of work. Does that keep you busy? Uh, relatively busy, Relative, yes. <laughs> I think that's being very modest. Yes. Okay, and let's go around the room. So we have uh, we have three guests from the community with us today, who are the sort of real sort of all stars we described them as uh, on the community. What is all stars, Meredith? So the Meraki Community All Star um, is a high ranking uh, nomination. Uh, we created the program earlier this year as a way to recognize our supremely top contributors. Mm -hmm. um, so it's the top 10 out of over 30,000 community members. Wow. Um, and they're contributing not just immensely, but also with uh, very friendly and warm, patient uh, tones in their responses. Um, so we launched this uh, program to kind of recognize and reward them, call them out as being super awesome and special. I heard, some, I heard, some, I definitely heard some sniggering in amongst there. So that means <laughs> yeah. that that means we're going to get into some opinions <laughs> fairly soon, folks. Um, so, so let's go to our guests. They're all joining us um, online. Uh, so uh, we have Jason, we have Philip, and we have Brecht joining us. Uh, let's start with Jason. Jason, tell us uh, where you're calling in from. Uh, what do you do, and uh, and you know what's your involvement with Meraki so far? Sure. Yeah. Hi, I'm Jason De Silva. Uh, I'm a senior network architect with Shaw Communications in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Uh, I'm part of our team that does uh, the technology side of product development, um, and we have a managed service provider business offering, primarily aimed at SMB, but also for the enterprise that's built on the Meraki platform. So, the security product, the Wi-Fi product, and then the switching. All right, and and you're a major community tr contributor as well, of course. Uh, I do post from time to time. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he's got over fourteen hundred posts. Whoa, and and we have badges on there, don't we? So uh, he's got all the badges. I mean, how does that work? Pretty much. No, definitely not all of them. No, I'm, I'm not them. the uh, most badge member. That's for sure. Well, <laughs> so let's see. Is that is does that mean that's Philip instead? Philip's next. Philip, Philip, tell us about yourself. Please introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, I'm Philip. I um, work for a small Cisco partner in New Zealand. We call ourselves uh, IFM. 
I'm uh, uh, being a small company, I pretty much do all jobs, but legally I'm a, a company director and uh, we just operate a traditional consultancy company. So we help people deploy the Meraki networks, design them and as install and operate them. Awesome. And are you actually calling in from New Zealand right now? I sure am. Yep, it's amazing where the internet goes. <laughs> okay, so it's 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 ten o'clock in the morning in San Francisco where we're recording this. What time is it where you are? Seven a.m. So okay, oh, but I, but it's Wednesday for me. It might be. Uh, is it Tuesday for you? You're right. You're right. Kind of, you're you're over the dateline from where we are. Yeah, I, we time travel here. Magic. <laughs> you get to see everything first. You get you get all of the uh, the unboxings of brand new brand, brand new Apple gear first, right? That's where the stores start selling the stuff first. Yeah, uh, we we probably would have the first uh, um, Apple store on the right side of the dateline. Yes. Nice. Okay, we'll come back to you for sure, Philip. Um, Brecht, tell us about you. Yeah, so my name's Brecht Schramp. I live in a small city in Belgium called Ghent. Um, my native language is Flemish, so excuse me on the forehand for all of the upcoming errors. I will likely also constantly mix British and American English because I just do that, sorry. Um, so my official title at the moment is Networking Solutions Architect, and I work for a company called NTT Limited. Mm-hmm. It used to be called Dimension Data, but we only recently changed names. And we, we became Entity Limited. Um, we had been uh, part of the Entity Group for a while, but the name change for some reason uh, kept waiting. Um, I have about 40,000 colleagues worldwide in about 200 countries, so we're quite wow. a large company. I think we're one of the largest Cisco partners as well. Um, we're a system integrator basically for... Uh, solutions ranging between networking, security, unified communications, data center, and so on. Um, I'm part of the network pre-sales team, um, specialized in Cisco networking, um, and even more specialized in Cisco Meraki. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I do, basically. And so, out of the three, who who is uh, who's the main, like, most, most all-star-y all-star? Are we going to get competitive here? Oh, I did. <laughs> I mean, we don't want to embarrass uh, anybody. Not so early in the we, show. We do have stats, um, <laughs> but yeah, everyone's friendly. All in their competition. three, all are equally important to Absolutely, us. Absolutely, um, we love all of our all stars. Uh, Philip is probably the top contributor. Uh, he has over sixty three hundred posts in the community, um, and Brecht also is an amazing all star, yeah. and he's contributed over fifteen hundred posts wow. in the community. Okay, so we really are talking about the top echelon here. And, of course, it's all about quality. Exactly. Not right? just quantity. Not just quantity. <laughs> we do have a running joke about Philip having a robot answering for, for him um, because his, his contributions is – there's so many. It's, uh, it's amazing. It's on this call right now. Oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so th- well, let's talk about the community a little bit. Uh, Meredith, tell us about how this thing got started, and um, and so I'd love to hear then from uh, from you gentlemen about you know your own experiences, how you came came to uh, come across it. Uh, sure. So the community got started uh, over two years ago. Now we just celebrated our second birthday. Congratulations! Uh, crawling into the terrible twos. Um, and the goal was to create, a, you know, just a, a peer-to-peer support forum for customers and partners to uh, ask each other questions, um, as well as engage with Meraki content and employees. 
um, kind of from this original mission evolved uh, new opportunities for learning and engagement. Uh, so that includes the the learning hub that we launched earlier this year, which mm -hmm. provides you know Meraki trainings. Um, and then over time, you know, we're hoping to continue kind of creating this environment where um, someone can come in, you know, with a, a technical question, but then discover four or five other things that are, you know, going to help help elevate their work or you know improve uh, their work in some way. Mm -hmm. So what uh, what um, what do you guys really love about uh, about the community? Tell us swag. how you use it. <laughs> swag. Swag. <laughs> yes, there's definitely swag on there, isn't there's there? There's a fair amount of swag. What kind of swag have we distributed? What, what, let's, let's go around and see who has what swag. <laughs> Jason, what swag have you got? Uh, uh, how long is this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> uh, through the community, I have more swag than I can shake a stick at. It's, it's slightly ridiculous, to be honest. Um, I have one of the fridges. I have the light box. I have uh, a couple of the Legos. I have numerous T-shirts, mugs, pens, books. Wow. Uh, I have a phone soap. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen soap. that. You have a phone soap? Yeah. I have a yeah. phone soap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we still have questions about them. It's like a tanning bed for your phone. Hmm. Yeah. Backpacks. Um, I know I'm missing some. So you could actually I create a, a museum. Uh, one of the, wire, the wireless chargers for my phone. Um, you forgot the can't, gnomes. Yeah, you can't forget oh. the gnomes. <gasps> well, I only have one gnome. That's why I forget. I need more gnomes to remember. Oh. And there's the, um, there's the cloud pin board. Oh, yeah. yes. The cloud pin board. <laughs> Yeah, yep. I have the umbrellas. They love their swag. Yeah. <laughs> I have a mate. USB cords. USB cords. Oh, yeah, the Hydra. The charging chargers. Two so different phone chargers. Like skateboards. I didn't plan this as a complete run through of the catalog, but it's starting to sound <laughs> like it. <laughs> well, I don't have a skateboard personally yet. That's still on my list. Uh, but. There's quite a lot of stickers as well and some wall art thingies. I think they're they're probably the top collectors of It uh, sounds Maraki's like it. Swag. Yes, yes. I think the most. Oh, yes, don't forget the socks. We're your forget test the audience for the swag, right? We like to think of ourselves as sock innovators uh, here at Meraki. In fact, we need, we need a new design. I think it's time. I, I think a, a community-themed uh, Meraki sock is probably in order. Just makes sense at this point. Well, that's great. So if we do want to start a museum, we already have. <laughs> uh, if we want to know where all of the swag's gone, it sounds like we have the answer to that question. Um, but of course, we do this for a reason. We're all um, we're all in this industry. We're all networkers of, in some description, shape, or form. Um, I think it'd be really interesting to just go around and and have a listen. Uh, if you guys could just tell us a little bit about, you know, the environment that you work in and the kind of sort of networking and IT challenges that you typically see in your environments, and and how. I guess, I mean, certainly interested in Meraki and other technologies that you have deployed as well, you know, how this has all um, helped you with the the, uh, the operation that you're in. So, um, Jason, kick us off. Sure. Um, so, like I kind of said in my intro, we use Meraki primarily for uh, our MSP offering. Um, so, Shaw is a cable MSO. Uh, we've built our business on cable TV uh, and then into cable internet after that. Um, mm -hmm. So the, the main focus of what we use the Meraki product line for is um, to provide Wi-Fi to small medium business. Okay. So we kind of package it up with our cable internet offering uh, and, and are like a one-stop shop for small medium business to come get their internet, get their Wi-Fi, 
uh, and we just kind of take care of it all for them. So it really lets small business owners get on with, with what they're good at, and we just provide them with the connectivity solution. Does this include the actual um, the, the management part as well? Are you, a, are you a managed service provider as well, or are you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So yeah, we, we the the Meraki products um, that we offer, uh, we manage them uh, on the customer's behalf. Well, we give them dashboard access too, so it's more like a co-managed model. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we do all the management. So we've got our kind of cookie cutter based product with uh, you know three SSIDs. We have the the customer's private SSID. We offer them a guest SSID, and then we also have our own carrier uh, public Wi-Fi that we we put out there. It's called Shaw Go. Uh, right. Yeah. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. And then we manage that at scale. So we have something like sixty thousand APs in market right now. Whoa. Okay. Um, so yeah, we, we, it's mostly in Western Canada, but it does span all of Canada, uh, where we where we offer these services. And how, how big a team is looking after that many devices? That's that's huge. Yes. Well, there's a couple different layers there. So um, being a cable internet provider, we already have call centers, uh, and then you know we, we also have a business side of things. So we, you know we do fiber um, internet offerings as well. So we have, we have that kind of front line already. We have Knox already. So those teams, there's certain areas within those teams that are responsible for that tier one, tier two kind of thing. Right. And then my team is is effectively tier three uh, for all of this, for the Meraki side of things. And then we also do all the design architecture work. So my team is seven people. Mm-hmm. That's not insignificant. Um, that That's a really, I mean, that, that just shows the, the scale thing. And we talked about that, of course, plenty of times before. It's a big focus of, our, of ours to try to uh, simplify so that we can help organizations in various different ways. And one of those definitely is is what you're describing, I think, uh, Jason. I think it sounds like it's a good model for you in terms of simplicity. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and given the, the dashboard and cloud management, I mean, I don't think that's, it would be as easy to do what we do without that kind of um, feature on the product. So, you know, that really enables us to, to drive the scale that we do. And, and are you using uh, the APIs as well at that kind of scale at this point? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we, uh, we do use it for provisioning. Um, we could probably be better at that, but we do absolutely use it for provisioning, and then we use it a lot for reporting as well. Cool. Let's hop over the dateline. J- uh, Philip. We're dating now. <laughs> We've gone over the dateline into New Zealand. Tell us about your world. Okay. Um, so probably a, a large chunk of our business is uh, working with other Cisco partners and resellers. Um, so we we often provide a lot of back-end Cisco services to them. So maybe a, a Cisco partner might, or a, even just a pure reseller, they might um, uh, sell a solution but maybe not have enough skills in-house. Or maybe they have um, some skills in-house, but um, uh, maybe not enough to do more complex solutions. So that's a large large chunk of our work base, working with other partners. Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, the next biggest chunk, uh, what, what you call self-managing customers. So customers that have um, their own IT teams and they prefer to look after things themselves. And um, we often do the um, design and uh, work with the deployment with them, and then they'll do a lot of their own, and we give them some basic training, and then they'll do a lot of their own um, day-to-day tasks, and then they just come to us when they want to do uh, Moosedge changes or complex changes, or they have uh, complex faults they want to resolve. Um, a lot of them have come from the Cisco enterprise world, and um, uh, it's the simplicity of the dashboard that <laughs> that they've really taken on to, and they like 
like that they can look at a lot of the faults or a lot of que- a lot of issues or diagnose things by themselves. Um, it's really is one of the key selling points for them. So you give them the the, the read only access that kind of thing. No, no, we uh, sell them the kit. They own the kit. Right. Uh, we make them dashboard administrators, and then we just help them on their day to day operations. Okay. Um, I like um, playing with technologies quite a lot too. So I like um, playing with new solutions or, or changing things. So like, for instance, I've been playing a lot with the MV cameras lately and their um, um, relatively new uh, APIs and then um, bolting them into uh, other technologies to make them into more f- uh, fully featured solutions. So you like a bit of experimentation? Love it. I guess it lends it. I mean, the cameras are such good fun to play with as well because it's, it's so real. I think they... Uh, the sales team here definitely love them because it's they're so demo friendly and you can always i mean we have some great uh great stuff that we've pulled together with um with uh, that we've we've shot on the cameras um and the apis that we have associated with those as well okay so that's um that's that's definitely another take on things let's now hop we, we really are like swooping around mm-hmm. the globe here so over to brecht in belgium <laughs> yeah, Belgium, the smallest country in Europe, I think. Is it really? Well, maybe no. It's not the smallest, probably. It's Luxembourg, it's, right? It's it's yeah, right. It's one of the one of the smaller ones, let's say. Oh, Licht, actually, um, Liechtenstein. I'm, as you can tell, I'm originally from the European <laughs> continent myself. You've got all the. Names. I should know this stuff. <laughs> then we could also mention the Vatican, right? Oh yeah, you're right. Actually, uh, that's true. <laughs> that would be the smallest country in the world, I think. Maybe. Where's Monaco? Isn't Monaco really small? Oh, wow. So many small countries in Europe. <laughs> we yes. can all agree on that. <laughs> Europe being small on its own as well when compared to the rest of the world, I guess. Right. Anyway, um, so like I mentioned before, I'm a, a pre-sales guy. So I I'm, I don't touch the hardware as much as our other guests do. Um, my challenges are mainly related around... Um, defining an architecture for for our clients that come to us with questions or yeah they come to us with a problem we try to solve it uh, Meraki is just one of the things we do of course we do we do other vendors and and regular traditional Cisco as well so for me the challenge is often when for example a tender comes in um, uh, the challenge is often going away from checking the boxes and trying to push a solution that might fit the customer better even though they don't realize it um, because obviously Meraki is a quite unique solution so when you look at tenders often the requirements are really not fit or, or written to what Meraki is like mm-hmm. um, so so that is for me often the challenge what is the difference uh, out of curiosity what what how in what way do they differ from calling out the strengths of the Meraki portfolio um, well, so one thing that, that Meraki is always trying to do is, is increase simplicity, right? So that means that Meraki is probably not the solution that will have all bells and whistles and all all of the most complex protocols available. Mm-hmm. Well, that's typically something that you would find in a tender um, where they would ask support for a certain protocol or, or a certain number of, of, of sessions or whatever, all that kind of traditional stuff describing what solution is the solution you have to offer. Um, the speeds and the so, feeds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that for me is the, the, the biggest challenge, I guess. Um, 
on the other hand, just like uh, like Jason mentioned, um, we we have clients of all sizes as well. We have smaller companies um, like uh, small retailers. We have um, um, office um, yeah offices. Um, we have production facilities. We even have government uh, in in Belgium, but also in Europe that that are our clients. So. Um, that's also one of the challenges, basically scaling up and, and, and thinking at all scales when you're trying to think of the ideal solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm curious about the this this thing about the the typical, what, how should we describe it? The, the, the request for participation, the request for quotation, whatever you'd like to call that, the, the requests that come in from customers, like you say, often worded, around a, a very traditional uh, perspective on networking, which is, you know, tell me what protocols it supports. Tell me what, uh, what, what kind of performance levels it has. Tell me about the MTBF figure it, the meantime exactly. before failure thing. So how do you take that? Uh, and I guess this is a question to any of you. Um, how do you actually take the strengths of Meraki and apply them to a, uh, a request like that that's phrased in a more traditional way? In my opinion, when once the tender comes in, you're basically already too late because obviously the, the, the tender has been written with a different solution in mm-hmm. mind. And one of the ways that I like to sell Meraki is basically by demoing it to the to to the client. And uh, once they see it, they understand what the principle is and and what the advantage of the way of Meraki is. Uh, but what, yeah, once the tender comes in, of, often you don't have a chance anymore. Like, for example, right. a very, very basic uh, uh, example, let's say they have a requirement in there that you have to support SSH for simple security reasons, because obviously when you look at a traditional network and it would only support Telnet to to um, to do the configuration, that mm-hmm. means your, your, your security is, is basically completely broken. Now, when I look at a Meraki switch or a Meraki MX, it doesn't have an SSH interface simply because it doesn't use it. It uses right. the dashboard for the configuration. So, yeah, that's a, a simple example of, of, of a problem that you can have when, when a tender comes So in. it's really about getting ahead of that and having a conversation. Yeah. Um, yes. And focusing on the outcomes, I guess. Yes. Okay. Indeed. And it, what, so think about the, the, the strengths of Meraki then. Uh, and this is an open question. So anybody just jump in. What what do you think of as the, the overwhelming uh, strengths, the things you love about Meraki? Let's start with those really, really positive things. It really is only one answer, dashboard. Dashboard, that's, yeah, absolutely. That's the, the killer feature. And tell me why you say that. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm super happy to hear that, and of course, I'm heavily biased. Uh, but but why do you specifically call out the dashboard? Um, because most products don't come, mo- most solutions don't come with built-in management. Uh, let me rephrase it: don't come with a management solution that includes like monitoring, software management, configuration management, things like that. Mm-hmm. And the dashboard. When you demo it to a customer, what they see is what they get. There's no like extra bits to buy for a NetFlow collector or some other kind of management solution that monitors the data and produces reports. It's just what you see is what you get, and it, it's all in the package. It's all integrated together, and it works beautiful, and it's nice, and it's it's relatively quick to give people training on um, how to use it to extract information, and it's yeah, it's just nice and simple and easy. 
I love it. Yeah, I'll definitely echo that. I mean, it, the dashboard gives you that that interface to, to networking equipment that is not really available anywhere else in the industry. Not not like that, right? There's it. There's other solutions that give you a, a bolted-on experience, whereas you know with Meraki, it's it's that native built and break from scratch. That's that's how it operates, uh, and it's really powerful when it's used correctly. Yeah, and it's it's full stack as well. I mean, all of your equipment is in one dashboard. That's also something that's not easy to come by. And this, what's so nice about uh, to hear this, uh, and it's like music to our ears. Meredith and I are smiling in here because it's 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 great because we we think that's the case. But I I do know, and you know I came from that world as well. I was a network engineer many years ago, uh, and I think what I find interesting is that so many engineers are focused on the boxes that they buy. They're so focused on the the switches and the access points and the security boxes. And uh, and it's very interesting to me that you've called out the the management experience first and foremost from that. Cool. Okay, let's move on. So I, I think one of the other interesting areas that I wanted to to talk about a little bit was the uh, the kind of challenges that you see working with networks or your customers are seeing working with networks. Um, I, I don't. I imagine that many of them have, are still as they always have been. But I'm kind of curious, you know, what uh, what are the things which really test your network and test your operational support of the network as well? Anybody want to take a stab at that one? Um, I would say in the in a Meraki world, it's all centers around access. So it might be wired access, might be wireless access, and um, most a lot of the issues are to do with people accessing the network mm -hmm. and. Um, uh, the dash the dashboard is the go-to place to, to check that access. Like, uh, are they attached to the Wi-Fi? Are they having issues with the Wi-Fi? Are they failing to authenticate? Are they failing to get an IP address? Um, are, are they what's your connection to the switch? Show me the topology of the network, how the different bits connect together. Um, uh, we do have Insight as well that gives us, you know, um, web application monitoring, mm, yes. uh, which is like the step the step beyond the access. That's where, you know, they can access everything except application X is performing badly or for some reason it's not working. But but I'd say more it's around um, access to the network, the access layer. Yeah, and that's uh, it's, it's very interesting. The Those newer tools are, are of interest to me, definitely. So uh, are you guys using things like um, Wireless Health and, and Meraki Insight actively? And, and how do you find those those are helping you. I think, Philip, you probably just covered that for Insight at least. Any others? Well, I use wireless health constantly. That is one of my favorite troubleshooting tools far and away. Uh, it, it's fantastic for Wi-Fi. It, uh, many times, just a couple of clicks and you can see exactly what's going on. So that, that's easily my favorite. We, we don't use Insight where, in my position, in my job. So mm -hmm. I can't comment on that. But uh, wireless health is... Is phenomenal. Specifically with wireless health, what what is it that you um, that you actually find it helpful for? I mean, I, I I sit here in the kind of ivory tower at Meraki HQ, imagining how it would be useful. I'm kind of curious about how you actually uh, finding it helpful in your own world. Uh, most common, it's for those uh, the Wi-Fi sucks issues. Um, right. You, know, you get that that common complaint <laughs> where the Wi-Fi sucks, and you know, with with wireless health. Uh, it gives you, uh, you know, a dashboard within a dashboard, so to speak, of, of the state of Wi-Fi, you know, um, 
between authentication, association, DNS, DHCP, like you see the, the most common problems that would be Wi-Fi related. And even a lot of those aren't necessarily Wi-Fi, right? Like DNS has got nothing to do with the Wi-Fi, but if DNS is misbehaving, it's going to lead to a poor experience and then people will therefore complain about the Wi-Fi being bad. Uh -huh. So it covers more than just the Wi-Fi as well. You can see if there's things on the network that would affect people's experience using it. Right. I quite like wireless health with state of the world. Um, so uh, let's see, last used it two days ago, customer complaining about not being able to connect to Wi-Fi. We have a look and then we, we can see it's reporting mass authentication failures. And then that quickly led to figuring out that um, the radius server hadn't rolled over its certificate correctly. Um, so it gives us that high, high view state of the world um, so we can see whether we got everyone affected or a large majority of users affected or one user affected. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's the dream for, for the product. So it's awesome to hear it, hear it being used that way. And I, I definitely remember, and it's so long, it's, I, I think I say this on every episode, it's a bit embarrassing, but when I was an IT guy and, uh, and I remember so many times getting tickets coming into my queue saying the network's slow. And, uh, you know, the amount of troubleshooting that, that I had to do to try and identify the actual root cause, um, that, that, that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting to hear that that's still the same, same kind of challenge. But, of course, a lot of the protocols haven't really changed all of that much in a very, very long time. Uh, so we're just making it, I guess, easier to get the visibility on there. Hopefully One the, the protocols don't change. Nothing breaks. Right. <laughs> One of the things that, uh, so obviously I, I I can't comment on the operation side of things because obviously I'm not on that side of uh, of the job. But uh, one of the things that interests me a lot is the the, the webhooks APIs that allow basically to uh, to have the dashboard contact your your let's say for example services now or ticket or any other ticketing system mm -hmm. uh, when there's an issue and and basically the the the, the work is done. Or already before for you, uh, let's say uh, it's what Cisco is calling the self-driving network, right? So mm. uh, that's something I'm really looking forward to to see that evolve uh, further than it does today. Uh, and and speaking of evolving, uh, you know, that's another interesting question that I think we wanted to get onto today was like how how are your individual roles evolving over time, uh, and you know, what are the the kind of newer challenges that are coming to you from the business or from your customers that are that are really kind of stretching your your way of working today uh, I'm, I'm really interested to just hear you know most in, in most cases the job is not the same year after year after year there are some things which which evolve and change uh, and I'm kind of curious about what that looks like because uh, of course you guys really are much more at the front uh, the front line than than I am in this this day and age so um have a go at that one. So let's let's start with uh, Philip. What do you think, Philip? Well, if, uh, let's just roll back to sort of 10 years. Like for us, we had like a fleet of cars and a job would come in and uh, an engineer would go grab a car, go out to the customer, plug into a console port on something, do a bit of key tap pressing, come back. And he might be able to do maybe four tickets a day. Mm -hmm. um, so roll roll forward sort of 10 years now ticket comes in we jump on the dashboard typically it'll be done within 15 minutes maybe 30 minutes so now he's processing the same engineer is now doing like 20 to 30 tickets a day so just a tremendous jump forward in um, productivity um, 
we have, gosh, we only have three cars left in our fleet now because we just so rarely drive to actual customers. Oh, wow. Uh, so it's like far less capital intensive for us as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and presumably it enables you to, to cover more, like a larger number of customers as well if it's uh, if you substantially, haven't got that time substantially, to spend. Yeah. Yes, yeah, substantially so. Uh, it also means we need less staffing resource to cover them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and changes right now. So some of our earlier Meraki customers we started with sort of maybe two, three, four years ago. Um, so they normally just get um, the Meraki gear in. Um, usually it's re- for us it's replacing Cisco Enterprise gear. And uh, it's the it's the ability that the network looks after itself in the dashboard. Um, and they usually start with one technology, whether it be Wi-Fi, and then they come back and they'll get switching or security or things like that. Mm-hmm. And now we've sort of got a new wave starting to happen when the customers are now starting to wonder um, either wanting to harness information out of their networks more. So, um, for instance, they might be wanting to use APIs for guest portal, pull data into that, push it into a marketing company or some other, let's say, sales process automatically. Or um, with the MV cameras, wanting to pull out like um, using people detection and the, I'm going to have to use an acronym, sorry, MQTT, and I don't even know what it stands for. Um, Anybody else? Special prize. <laughs> <laughs> Quick Google. No, or right, let's just call it it's an IoT messaging. They use using IoT messaging okay. and then processing those camera messages to then pull you know frames off the camera and then feed them into like uh, other cloud services like Amazon AWS or number plate recognition systems to process that data and then push that data into something else mm-hmm. for further analysis. So I'm really starting to, um, I'm, I'm starting to see uh, more data analysis style companies popping up as well that use the data coming out of the dashboard. So that, that's, sort of the, that's sort of the current transformation I'm starting to see um, through my Meraki customers that have had the system a little bit longer. All right, De- definitely has changed quite, quite substantially. Um, Jason, world of uh, service provider, how is that evolving in, for you? Uh, well, I think it, my world's changing very much the way Philip describes, um, but I'll be a little bit more generic about it. Uh, I, I spend a lot of time trying to change the narrative on how networking works and is operated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not directly customer facing, but I do support our sales team. So you know, trying to enable them with the, the language and, and uh, the knowledge on working with their customers to move away from the traditional model of managing networking. Um, the CLI is a traditional way of doing it. It is good or bad, you know, however your position is there. Um, I've made my career out of being a CLI junkie, so, mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is. But that's not really the way of the future, uh, moving to... Uh, controller-based managed solutions, you know, which the dashboard is effectively a controller. Um, API-based solutions, that automation orchestration pieces, these are all very big pieces of where networking is going. Uh, and, and working with some more traditional network engineers and, and guiding them towards the future is, is definitely one of my biggest challenges. And that's, uh, I mean, I, I think the, it's it was so interesting to hear you talking about the, the, the command line and, and I still there, and we've been saying more or less the same thing for about a decade, I think, at this point. Um, but I guess it's 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 one of those things exactly as you said, um, Jason, I think when you know it, then it can be a pretty fast way of, of implementing a lot of change in one particular go. But I think the challenge is the, just how broadly those 
that that, that technology is understood at this point and whether it use, it's something that, that newcomers into the industry still need to learn. Yeah, well, I think traditionally the CLI has been tremendously faster than most traditional GUIs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I also have a fairly extensive Linux background and working on the CLI in Linux is pretty much, you know, basic knowledge. Uh, and you can do things on that CLI much faster than you can through a lot of the, the GUI tools that would be the equivalents. Uh, and network is much the same way. I mean, I've been very quick at doing CLI stuff in, in the Cisco world with iOS throughout the years. Yeah. But now, you know, with automation and, and APIs, that makes the CLI much more slower and clunky. And when you take a look at the newer methods, the CLI is much more error prone. And it's, you know, why would you just be sitting there banging away on the keyboard all day when you can have a script that'll do it for you and you can move on with your life onto more mm. important things? Do you so. think that for the for the CLI junkie, do you think that the... Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the the ability to code and to leverage the APIs, do you think that there's something there by way of like an, an outlet for that enthusiasm, if you like? Yeah, I, th- I think so. So one of the things I catch myself doing all the time, um, which I'm going to chalk into the bad habit category, is I'll just open a Python shell, import the Meraki modules, and then start using the Python shell as a CLI to the dashboard. Mm-hmm. Uh, without actually writing a script, I'll just start typing in whatever code that I want to, to pull data or, or configure or whatever I need without actually creating a script. And I need to stop doing that, <laughs> but I just find it comfortable, right? Because I can it's like a CLI. It's, I can yeah. sit there on the keyboard and I can type Python code much the way I would type bash code. So, you know, CLIs are really nothing more than shell scripts or scripting languages themselves. So. Sure, yeah. Absolutely, and and like you said, I mean, there's for a network engineer, I think a lot of a lot of people who go into that kind of uh, role, they they have this interest anyway in, uh, in in some of these command line driven operating systems like Linux. So it's uh, it's a sort of evolution, really, if you like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jason, on the on the uh, uh, sorry, Brecht, Brecht, on the um, on the service, uh, sorry. Let's start again. Blah, blah, blah. On the pre-sales <laughs> side of things, I need more coffee. Um, on the on the pre-sales side of things, how do you find the the conversation with customers has been sort of evolving over time? Uh, you know, what 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 um, what's the same and what's changed? Right. Um, so, personally, for me, the, the challenge that I have uh, when I I talk to customers these days is that. Um, they've been adding more and more devices to the network, right? We we all know with the IoT world and and oh yeah, there's a buzzword. Sorry, um, we all know it with with the, the amount of participants in networks um, going up. We have to think about solutions to keep everything secure and mm-hmm. also to to try and optimize how the network works when these participants are there. So. For me, the challenge basically is to keep up with these technologies. From from a, a pre-sale standpoint, you always have to know all of the solutions, right? right. So, um, like I, I mentioned earlier, I, do, I don't do only Meraki. I also do the Cisco traditional world. And, and so the challenge is often, which solution do I offer? Do I go for a traditional solution or do I go for the Meraki solution? And it's not always easy to, to make that decision on beforehand before you've talked to the customer. Obviously, you don't want to make that decision on beforehand. But then on the other hand, when you when you show both solutions, you, you, you run run into the risk of, of confusing the customer. And, and, and he might say, uh, 
okay, what what solution do I need now? So so that for me is is the challenge when I when I talk to to customers and mm-hmm. and we're we're always thinking of of new ways of using the networks to do to do other stuff, right? So uh, what Philip mentioned earlier about the the MVs to to try and and use them as a as a sensor, we do the same thing with the network. And, um, and 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 regarding that, actually, only last week our our company, so NTT, we launched uh, our European um, Center of Innovation, um, or Client Innovation Center rather, mm-hmm. um, and that's uh, a center that we we basically uh, built to have uh, conversations with customers to inspire them to to. Um, build a solution but together with us so we're right there we're going away from our traditional model of of just trying to sell boxes and 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 services on top of that no we're we're going further than that we're we're actually trying to um solve their 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 questions Mm -hmm. right solve their their problems and um that's that's the challenge for for pre-sales and and for companies like ours try to keep being relevant right yeah, and and I, I love that because it is so much more than just you know, the boxes and providing the basic connectivity. There is there is so much more to do. But of course, in many cases, customers don't set out, wake up in the morning, thinking, "Oh, I, I want to, you know, evolve my customer engagement experience." And uh, and how am I going to do that? And so I think we have a we have a role to play with a bit of inspiring in, on that front. It sounds like that's exactly what you guys are trying to do there. Yes, um, Meredith. I think uh, you had a few questions you wanted to ask about the community and how we use it themselves, how, how these guys are actually using it, because you actually interact with them all of the time through the keyboard, I'm guessing, most of the time. Uh, yes, that's correct. We interact pretty regularly, lots of chatter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess you know one of my questions is... Uh, you know, you you guys are all talking in the community all of the time, um, and so other than swag, there must be something in it for you. Um, I guess you know what keeps you coming back. Um, what do you love about the community? How do you you know get va- value out of the community for yourselves? I'll start it off. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so I used to uh, participate a lot on the uh, Cisco Enterprise forums. Uh, these days, community.cisco.com. And then um, I, we pretty much moved almost exclusively to Cisco Meraki these days. And then um, I'm sure it was some marketing email that came out that talked about the Meraki community um, coming, uh, being released or being developed. And uh, I sort of joined maybe a couple of months after um, that happened. And that's when I started participating on it. Um, one of um, one of the reasons, sort of, I, I personally use it is it's part of our part of like my, my social marketing campaign. So I, for um, for people to um, know that you people can't really come to you if they don't know you exist. So uh, the question is, how do you how do you bring in new customers? Um, and so the first thing you got to start with is the customer has to know that you exist. And so one of the ways to do that is promote yourself as a, um, an, an expert in your field so you can develop a unique selling point and um, participating in the community um, is, yeah, is part of my social marketing campaign. 
Interesting. So do you have um, people who you are associated or affiliated with who uh, who also hang out there as well? You're just uh, essentially building your expertise by being there, I guess, and just by sharing stuff, helping others with, with questions they may have, that kind of thing. Yeah, so you help you, – you um, sort of – my premise is that you um, – uh, rather than sort of traditional marketing where you push yourself or your product um, out there, um, I sort of prefer the opposite approach where you uh, um, you give first. And so you give on the community, you help people out. Other people um, see that you're helping and participating and then then you always get the odd person uh, reaching out and maybe wants you to actually do a, um, a job for them or things like that and, and then the business comes back to you. So that circle. Okay, so they the uh, anybody else or so the community that you know to Meredith's question about how the the community has been has made a difference. Uh, yes, Jason and Brecht, have a go. Yeah, um, f- for me, um, the, the reason is actually much more more selfish, which is a weird thing to say because we're helping people all the time on there. <laughs> the reason why I'm on the community and why I like it so much is basically because it allows me to keep in touch with the technology much more hands-on than I would be able to in my in my job as a pre-sales guy, right? So um, the community often brings up challenges, technical challenges, which I like to think about and which I like to solve. So, so, so for me, the, the community is basically... Um, a way to 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 learn more about the, the the problems our engineers will run into afterwards, and that allows me to anticipate on those problems and and try to build the solution or the architecture around those problems. And and also one of the jobs I have as a pre-sales guy, because obviously we do services as well. One of the things I have to do is estimate the time that an engineer will will take to to do a certain job. So. Also, from that point of view, I want to know on beforehand what problems my engineer might run into. And that's basically what I use the community for. And, and that's, I mean, that's great to hear. And I, I think uh, one of the questions I have uh, top of mind right now is the Make-A-Wish box and the community and how how you relatively use those two things. Like, Do all three of you... Uh, make wishes still on a on a regular basis, or do you tend to think I'll just go and ping that in the community and see what happens? Yeah, I wish for Konami all the time. <laughs> yeah, I still I still have to explain that one. Ah, you're gonna have to yes, you're gonna have to explain that one, Jason. Go ahead. Well, no, I don't I don't think so. I think people should just go wish for Konami and it'll explain itself. There you go. <laughs> you, you might have to spell it out though, because maybe. Not everyone knows how to spell Right. It. So, yeah. So, Konami is an old video game. Well, it's still a video game publisher. So, K-O-N-A-M-I. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and go wish for them and see what see what you get. Yes, definitely. That's a top tip because uh, um, I think uh, there are a few Easter eggs in the, egg. in the Make-A-Wish mm, box, right? There it is. Yeah, there are. It's not even yeah. the only Maybe one, do it well. at the end of the day, though. <laughs> yeah, you'll never get back to work. <laughs> yes. Um, but, but relative to the community, though, I mean, I, I think... It, so you are still making wishes as well as uh, hunting out Easter eggs at the end of the working day. Um, are you finding that, that you get sort of good, healthy interaction on the community with uh, both with other users and also with Meraki folk as well? Yes, you get lots of Meraki employees. Um, yeah, lots of Meraki employees responding to different things. Um, but on Make a Wish, I, yeah, I still I still use the Make a Make a Wish um, on the on the dashboard i figure the more places i promote an idea the better the chance somebody might hear and see it and act on it 
Um, a lot of, quite a few beta programs are either offered or um, promoted, not promoted, talked about on the community as well. Yes. And um, I quite like joining a, a lot of the beta programs as well because that's um, that's one of my ways to help shape a new feature or um, shape a new feature before it hits full release when there's less likely to be flexibility in the way it's um, might be changed in the future after that. Mm -hmm. So it's a nice way to uh, interact with others who are bold enough to take that step as well, going into the beta programs. Yep. I can tell I've been in the US for too long. I'm starting to say beta instead of beta. Uh. It, it took me a few seconds to understand beta was beta. Yes. It's just one of those. We have a very international crowd here today. Um, okay, so what, here's, here's one of the things which is written down on this piece of paper in front of me. We, we did some notes for those of you who are listening. We have, we have some notes here to help us with uh, you know, just what kind of topics we want to touch on. I mean, somebody's written down here, weirdest acronyms. We wanted to, to try and figure out what are the weirdest acronyms, and apparently they want to do that just to annoy me because I spend all my time trying to make Meraki as much of an acronym-free zone as I possibly can. So favorite weird acronyms, take it away. We actually had one earlier, right? We had MQTT. MQTT yeah, is we still don't know what it means. Well, I, I looked it up on the, in the meantime, and I found out that actually the MQ is related to IBM MQ. I still don't know what the MQ stands for, but it's related to IBM MQ, which is some kind of middleware or something. And the TT stands for telemetry, telemetry tra transport. Sorry. I so, think not even Wikipedia knows. Right. <laughs> Yeah, indeed. <laughs> These folks really need some marketing help, don't they? Whoever yeah. came up with MQTT, they can't they can't even explain it in technical language. What else have we got? I think we need to change it to a full word on its own. I think Cisco's old APIC EM was a goodie as well. Mm. Yes, I remember which that became, one. Which became DNA Center in its current uh, current life. That was a that was a goodie. I don't know who came up with that baby. <laughs> now I, I think you get a special prize if you can actually remember what all those letters stood for. <laughs> Application, I think. Oh. Application programmable interface controller enterprise something or other. I don't remember what that one. Is. Enterprise module, yeah. Application Cisco application policy infrastructure controller enterprise module. Wow. <laughs> it's a catchy one. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to take a breath uh, before I'm going to breathe in next time before I say that one. Yeah. I think they made a good move with DNA Center. That's a lot more palatable. <laughs> right. For sure. Okay, enough acronyms. That's too yes. much. Oh, We're already too many. I'm already overwhelmed with acronyms at this point in time. Um, what is the most... I, I'm just making this one up now. It's not on the piece of paper, folks. Curveball coming in. Uh -oh. uh, what is the most like controversial, the most uh, crazy topic that, that has come up on the, uh, on the community? And, and you're not allowed to say IPv6 or any connect. Yeah. <laughs> well then never mind <laughs> those are our two uh, for those listening who are wondering what on earth I'm talking about these, these do seem to be our, our most often requested uh, from the network engineering community overwhelmingly um, uh, features so I'm not going to say any more about those but there's work going on within the building on both that's the only part thing I can say look at that we got some roadmap talk after all <laughs> Don't I actually remember uh, one of the, the posts on the community that got shut down because it was um, talking about a product that hadn't been launched yet. I don't know if you guys remember that one. Hmm. Is it launched now? 
So we can talk yeah, about it. I think it was the MV32, actually. I think it was a picture of the MV32, and I don't know where they got it, but uh, afterwards it turned out to be a real product. And uh, mm. we, oh, we yeah. weren't supposed to know about Some it back links. then. So if you are, if you come to the, to the community like every day, then you always have the chance to, to find some things that you shouldn't be finding. I think, well, I think we'll, we'll, we'll really How's know. For <laughs> so it's like we've started our own rumor site now as well. Yeah, like, that's exactly. how. That's when you know you've made it. Is when uh, is when there's actually a rumor site created for you. Meraki Meraki Rumors dot com. Yeah. We should bag that. Uh, before oh, that, else I does. love this concept: crowd marketed Meraki products. We just simply create enough noise about a product, then Meraki will have to create it. There you go. MMP then. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear, we're going back there again. <laughs> okay, so uh, I think it's time that we start bringing this to a conclusion. Um, it's been we've been chatting for over fifty minutes, which is uh, which is a very a time just flies by when we do this. Um, guys, thank you so much for coming along. I really appreciate it. Uh, any sort of words of wisdom for anybody who is getting into Meraki, like like any little cheats and uh, and and recommendations you would make. Um, Jason, kick it off. Well, I think definitely come to the community, and Meredith is not putting me up to that, uh, despite what it may sound like. <laughs> good job, buddy. Because um, I think it is a really good resource for to come and ask questions, and even just to, to read what is being talked about. Um, there's a lot of questions and answers going on there. There's a lot of. It's a good way to get familiar with the Meraki platform uh, and what it can do, and, and even what some of the challenges are with it. Mm-hmm. Philip, what do you think? Uh, if you're an IT person and you don't actually have any Meraki kit, I, I think I'd tell you to go and head over to the webinars first, and um, that'll give you a little taste. Plus, you're almost certainly going to be able to find a webinar where you can score some free Meraki kit that Meraki will actually give you to keep, um, and and just have a play with that. It's a no risk. It's a no like a, it's like a no risk trial, but you get to keep the gear. I guess many of us uh, got in our introduction to Meraki that way. Exactly. Yeah, you yeah, get some free gear. You love it. Mm. Uh, it's it's surprising, really, when you, you like whether it's free gear or swag, it always <laughs> seems to do to be effective. Yep, motivating. Um, Brecht, what do you think? Well, um, so apart from the things that were already already said, I would say YouTube. I mean, uh, your you guys' YouTube channel is is full of videos, both uh, regarding. Um, the quarterly, which you do so nicely, uh, Simon, uh, but also more uh, like uh, from a technical perspective, there's a lot of webinars that end with a, with a demo. And if you if you really want to get a feel uh, of what Meraki is, you should at least see the dashboard, and that that's a way to do it without having to do a webinar on the uh, like uh, an official one, and without uh, having any kit yourself. Mm -hmm. So you can can have a look there. That's what you can do next if you've never done it. Yeah, that's a nice way of just letting somebody else guide you through uh, through the process and what it looks like to be a day-to-day -day user on there. Indeed. Cool. Um, Meredith, on the on the community, have we got anything uh, coming up that uh, to, to promote or talk about there? Uh, for sure. Um, in let's see, we've always got uh, some sort of contests or uh, challenges going on. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, whether it's a technical challenge uh, where you have to you know, I don't know, point out some things that are wrong with a, a certain configuration or it's, uh, you know, simply sharing your um, insights about 
you know, the world of IT, um, we always have something going on with uh, potential to win swag, of course. There we um, go. So coming up in December, we've got a couple contests going um, that you can uh, keep your eye out for. Nice. Awesome. Well, the I mean, the community, of course, is full. I, I mean, uh, here we go. We've got three all-stars <laughs> with us today, but really everybody who is on the Meraki community, they're all superstars because they're all contributing to the, the conversation. There it's we go. It's true. It's true. But, uh, but these three gentlemen, I mean, obviously they are, they're, they're clearly, they've been identified as three of the sort of leading contributors on the, on the community. And we're super grateful uh, to each of you for, um, for I mean, Definitely. not only spending the time today, but also for feeding, helping to feed that community because, of course, that's how these things grow. Yeah. Uh, so F- fun fact, they, their contributions comprise uh, over 16% of all of the posts on the community in Ooh. its entire history. <laughs> Just these three. That's, n- I mean. <laughs> Good job, y'all. It's amazing what wow, you can. We need a life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we'll. I think maybe on that bombshell, we will. We'll. Uh, we'll sort of wrap things up. Um, thank you so much for uh, for joining us on Meraki Unbox today. Uh, we've really enjoyed this conversation. It's it's great fun to have guests in who are um, using the product and you know advocating for it and and sort of exploring what it's capable of doing. Um, that's really why we find sort of com- regular communication is so valuable because the role of running a network really doesn't stay completely the same. It's a, it is something which is constantly evolving. There's always new features to learn and to understand the value of, and the community is definitely one of the places you can do that. Uh, so I've enjoyed this discussion because it's been fun just getting to know uh, our three guests from the three different continents they uh, they uh, joined us from today. Uh, and so we, we hope to do that. I think we should do it again next year. Yes, excellent. All right. Thank you again for watching, uh, watching, listening to Meraki <laughs> Unboxed. We should make a video as well. Let's do a video. This is being filmed. Uh, this, we'll, we'll make a film out of it. Actually, that does that does give me an opportunity to say that we've started putting these on YouTube as well. Uh, I know that that might sound a little weird if you're subscribed on uh, your podcast app on your phone, but um, some people actually do uh, actually watch or, or listen to the podcast uh, through YouTube and like that option. So we decided to start putting the shows up there as well. Um, so if that's useful to know, there you go. And we will be back in a couple more weeks uh, with another episode. Uh, We'll be in 2020 at that point, so uh, bring it on. I hope you have a wonderful uh, break over the holidays, whatever you are choosing to do, friends and family-wise, and uh, we will be back to do it all again in 2020. Thank you again. Have a great day, and bye for now. Bye.